up, everybody? Dan Urban and Scott Fontana here, and we are back with another episode of the Couchside Judges. After 32 fights over eight days, the return of live MMA concluded Saturday with a main event in which we saw Alistair Overeem prove he's still a force with a win over Walt Harris. We also saw a lot of closely contested rounds, which sparked a lot of fans to cry robbery. The four main car bouts before the Reams' big win went the distance, and I personally thought half of those gave the victory to the wrong fighter. We'll break down the pivotal frames that caused split decisions to go one way or the other, as well as some other rounds on the prelims that plenty of folks took issue with. Plus, we'll name our most valuable judge from the three latest UFC events in Jacksonville. You know, obviously, I want to talk about those decisions that I alluded to. But before we do, let's talk about the main event. You mentioned Overeem getting the victory over Harris. So, you know, what did you take away from that? That was a wild fight. It was. It really was. Heavyweights always come out and go crazy and then typically gas after they go crazy. Yeah, and and I don't think we've seen a heavyweight gas so quickly as Walt Harris did last night. Yeah. I can kind of understand it. There's there's a lot of emotions running through the man right now. I, I You know, I don't want to be too critical of that. He also thought he had a finish, so he was probably emptying the gas tank, trying to get Overeem out of there, which I understand. Oh, yeah. I mean, why not? You have to look at the two of them, and you know that Overeem can go more than a round or two. We've seen it. So I would think Harris had to know that he wanted to get him out of there as soon as he could, really. Yeah, he was hitting him with bombs. Overeem's face is just completely busted. Like 90 seconds into the fight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at one point I thought, wow, Big Dan's really letting him go here. You could probably have stopped that fight if you wanted to. Yeah, I don't think there was a, a point in the fight where he definitely had to stop it. No, there wasn't a definite, it, it wasn't kind of a, you know, stop the dire match again situation. <laughs> but it was enough that, you know, these guys hit so hard and he was getting hit hard and he really wasn't doing anything but covering up and, and not even really moving. So, you know, if, if you wanted to say, you know what, that's it. If Dan Mergliano wanted to jump in, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But, I mean... Credit to Overeem, you know, when he went for that, that what was that, a heel hook? He kind of started did, fishing yeah. for him. He was and, and that away. chased Harris away, gave him the opening to stand up, and everything changed. Yep. Props to Overeem for weathering that storm and then turning the round around. He did, he did. And then, obviously, he makes it out of round one, uh, and he scores the TKO in round two. But we do want to talk about the scoring in round one, because just because this was an interesting kind of round with so much one way and then the other action. Yeah, so how did you score it? You know, I scored this one for Harris because he was so close to that finish and, and everything he landed for that 90-second period or so was just devastating. Whereas Overeem, when he gets on top after Harris kind of stumbles uh, midway through the round, you know, he he rides out the, the dominant position. He's landing intermittent ground and pound, which... You know, from a heavyweight, is even even if you're not hitting too hard, it's still pretty hard, but it wasn't at the same level. So I didn't think he was able to, to steal that round back. Yeah, when I watched it live, I scored it for Overeem. I thought he had the duration of the dominance of the round. But when I rewatched it, it really wasn't the same level of domination. Therefore, today watching it, I, I scored it for Harris 10-9. Okay, yeah, so you went the same way as I did ultimately. You know, Sal Diamato and Derek Cleary also headed that way. Dave Torelli, on the other hand, he gave this round to Overeem. But, of course, it didn't matter because Overeem put the stamp on it in round two just about 10 minutes before he turned 40. Yeah, happy birthday, Reem. Yeah, there you go. Why not? Have some cake. 
All right, Scott, let's get into those contested rounds that you were talking about before. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got some thoughts on, especially the split decisions from the main card. Which one do you want to do first? Yeah, let's do the co-main. Let's do Angela Hill versus Claudia Gadelia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody coming into this expected Gadelia to win, I think. As much as Angela Hill has looked great lately, Gadelia, you know, she's been a staple of the top 10 for years now. But watching this fight, Gadelia definitely wins round one. And then Hill definitely wins round two. No one's arguing those. But round three, round three is the swing. Round three was so close. I don't understand how people are throwing out the robbery term here. It, it, this isn't a robbery, no matter which way you score it. Yeah, it's just sour grapes. Scoring it live, I went with Gadelia. Watching it today, I went with Hill. Okay, yes. Yeah, see, I very much believed start to finish both times that I watched it last night and today that this was definitely Hill's round. I thought she won the fight. It was extremely close, almost all kickboxing in this round. And I, the fact that Gadelia made this round as close as she did in, in a kickboxing match against the kickboxer in Hill, that's impressive in and of itself. But no, I, I saw this, especially in the, in the later part of the round, you start to see Hill really take back control after Gadelia gets off to a good start. She's landing with more impact. She's leaving visible damage. I didn't think it was all that close. It was close, but not as much as maybe you seem to think. When I scored it, I, I thought Gadelia towards the end of the round was landing the visibly more impactful strikes. Except, however, this time, the body work of Hill, I saw that better the second okay. time I watched I thought a lot of it was blocked during the first time. This time around, I realized the body work was there. Went with Hill. Yeah, I'm glad to see you, you ended up siding with the side of right in this instance, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, along with myself and Sal Diamato, who was uh, one of the judges. He was the minority judge here, the only one to give Hill the 29-28, whereas Chris Lee and, again, Dave Torelli gave 29-28 to Gedalia. So she gets the win. What I loved was that <laughs> Angela Hill tweets after this, she's going out to celebrate her victory. <laughs> hey, she thought she won. I'm sure Gedalia believes she won. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a robbery. You're right, but I don't know. I feel pretty strongly here that, that Hill definitely won. But robbery, I, I don't like to use that word Far from uh, it. when it comes to judges. There's there's just not a whole lot of robberies that actually, like true robberies in this sport in the way that people like, you know, they like to overthrow it uh, as far as a term. And, and I think it kind of devalues when we're talking about stuff like that, you want to call this controversial. I don't even think that's as far as it was. I think it was just close. Close is the only way you can do this one. Yeah. You want to see a robbery? Go watch Nam Fan versus Leonard Garcia. Ooh. Tough 12 finale. There's a robbery. We might have to do that for uh past judgment soon. Let's do it. With that one out of the way though, I've got to talk about the other split decision from the main card here. And this one had people just as fired up. Edson Barboza against Dan Ige. This one was Definitely Barboza winning round one. And in my eyes, it was definitely Ige winning round three. And that's how all the judges had it as well. But round two, that was the swing round here. Dan, let's start. Where'd you see it? How'd you go with this one? Definitely a Barbosa 10-9 round. If you want to be mad about any round on this entire card, this is the round to be mad about. Yeah, I think you might be right. Uh, I definitely went the same way as you. I mean, Ige started strong, but that didn't stop Barboza from landing his own strikes. No, Ige, yeah, he gets off to a really good start here. Probably for three or four minutes, I think he has not a big edge, but he's got an edge in the kickboxing that we're seeing. 
Yeah, like you're saying, Barboza, he's finding a home too. But I, I did think he was losing for about four minutes or so, just, just slightly. He would definitely slowed this round. He was nowhere near the same level as he was in the first round. But when he throws that kick to the body and the knee lands to the yeah. liver, Ige just wilts. He does. It was in a way that I feel like if the crowd was there, they would have noticed and they would have reacted and it would have helped the judges see it because I have to believe that maybe they just didn't realize how badly Danny Gay was hurt there because he was hurt. He crumpled. Yeah, he was down. Barboza finished on top with ground and pound. I mean, that's a that's a clear victory. Oh, uh, easily, easily, easily. Uh, that's you, know, you want to weigh immediate impact first when you're talking about grading rounds like this. That's what it says in the criteria. We're going by the criteria, and if that's the case, it doesn't get much more impactful than that immediately, right? Yeah, guy grabs his side and is like almost hunched over and dives on a leg to avoid any more strikes to it. I mean, how much more immediate impact does it get? Yeah, that's that's an easy one for me. I'm disappointed it ended up that way because not nothing against Danny Gay. He fought a good fight, no question about it. His performance was probably good enough to beat most people last night. It's not like he didn't show up or something like that. But Edson Barboza, he won that fight to me. And the fact that he's now got to start his featherweight run here with a loss, it doesn't sit with me. I, I think he deserved the win here, and I think he deserved the chance to be able to go on and, you know, maybe start competing for that uh, that title shot. And maybe within 12 months he could have been there. But, you know, this is a setback. Don't think it's a robbery, but definitely think this is the round that you should be most upset with. I have to give credit to Troy Winkapaw here, who definitely got the score right here. He was the only one to go 29-28 for Barboza, had the same score I did, same score as you did. Uh, Derek Cleary and Sal Diamato did not, and I'm not pleased with that. So. Real quick, too, I just want to mention that Jason Herzog was the referee for this fight. Now, obviously, we spoke about him, among other people, uh, and it came to the Glover Teixeira stoppage the other night in which Anthony Smith had kind of went on for about two extra rounds more than I thought it needed to be. To his credit, went on Twitter on Friday night, released a statement saying essentially that the buck stops with him taking responsibility for what happened. I don't think he's the sole person who is responsible for what we saw on Wednesday night, but credit to him for, for being accountable for his part in it. He has my respect, and I thought he had a really great night as far as being a referee uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, he definitely bounced back big. That was good. So props to Jason Herzog. Let's move on to another fight that has people outraged. Song Yadong versus Marlon Vera. Yeah, Cheeto was particularly outraged in this. He, he had some... Um, choice words. Yeah, choice words. Uh, I didn't I didn't really love the, the way he worded this, but I'm not going to repeat it. He was not happy with what he thought was a very clear victory over Song. How did you see it, though? I thought Song won the fight. You did. I don't see it for Vera. I see if any round you give to Vera, it's round one. I thought round two, Song landed heavier strikes, the more impactful strikes for the entire round. I mean, Vera definitely had his moments, but to me, that was clear for Song. So I agree that round one was for Song. It was a very close round uh, in my eyes. And I, I understand the argument for both men. That's kind of where I sit here. But again, I, I went with Song. So we agree there. All three judges agreed on this one as well. Round two, though, this is where I think you and I differ because I had it for Vera. 
I mean, you can probably say that at the end, Vera lands a huge body shot, but that didn't make up for, you know, the other strikes that Song landed throughout the entire round. I thought this was a very close round overall, and I, and I actually thought it was Vera who was getting even the slight advantage overall, too. But the added damage uh, to Song's nose, when you factor that in, I think it makes it an even more clear choice. See, when I watched this again last night, I thought round two was very close. I watched it again today, still close, but not as close as I originally saw it. Okay, see, I actually had to watch this fight again today. I had no choice because when I watched round two live, I was interrupted by my adorable four-year-old who sneaks out of his room to sing me the most cute song that he just made up about me. Can we hear it? Uh, no, I can't repeat it. It was it was words that I don't remember exactly, but it was you know he just he's just kind of ad libbing you know about how great a daddy I am that oh. kind of thing uh, you know super cute of course but not the ideal way to judge a round so I, I had to watch that again watching it again it confirmed what I thought I saw while I was listening to this this adorableness is which was of course that Vera won the round uh, so I still. Stuck with that without anybody bothering me uh, with with their with their sweetness. No, I'm sticking with song. All right. Well, the judges sided with you. I have to say, round three that was a very round to me. Vera won that round. Yeah, yeah. So that's the only round I can say he convincingly, in my opinion, won, and I don't have an argument for song. All right, that's fine. Yeah. So your scorecard mirrored what we got from the judges, whereas mine is probably what all the people who are upset about this saw, which was. Song winning round one, Cheeto winning rounds two and three. I did think it was a really close fight overall. So I, again, I don't like to throw robbery around as a as a term when it comes to these fights because it, there's really not a whole lot of robberies uh, here. And this was a close fight. Anytime you've got striking numbers that end up looking as close as they do, it's you know it kind of mirrors what I saw yesterday, which was a close fight, and I can't have a problem with it. But I think it's it's a little absurd for non-vested parties to get so mad about that because it was so close. Vera should be mad. He should, probably should have used a little less colorful language to describe his opponent. But nonetheless, I understand why he's mad because it was close and I had him winning. Listen, if, if Vera won it, I would have no problem with it. I could see a total argument for him round one. Yeah. Uh, I don't really see it for round two and he definitely won round three in my eyes. I don't. It went 29-28 his way. That's fine too. Right. Agree to disagree, sir, because th- this was this was definitely I had it the other way around. Uh, but again, round one was super close. So, <laughs> in my mind, I think it's closer to going thirty twenty seven Vera uh, than the other way. Let's rewind a little bit. We'll go into the prelims now and talk about the movie Carrie. Oh, excuse me. I mean Darren Elkins against Nate Landwehr, <laughs> uh, in which Darren Elkins' blood ended up all over both him and his opponent. That was disgusting. <laughs> Wore a crimson mask for the whole fight. Actually, I didn't. I was kind of shocked the doctor didn't come in again to look at it. Yeah, again, it's funny when you see doctors come in and stop fights, especially even for cuts. You know, they stopped the the Nate Diaz against Jorge Masvidal fight for a cut that I didn't think was remotely as bad as this one. This was a bloody fight, but it was also a really close fight, and a lot of people took issue with the way this was scored. How did you see round one? Let's just start there. Round one, I went for Elkins, 10-9. Yeah, same here. But we're in the minority as far as the judges are concerned because two out of three gave this one to Landweir. Yeah, you know what? When you're sitting cage side, 
sometimes you don't have the best view. You don't know where that cut came from. We learned later that it came from, that this is the first cut under his eye, that it came from a headbutt. Yeah. So it didn't come from a punch. We also, I didn't know that either. I was wondering, where do you get cut? But I still had Elkins win in the round. But you, you don't know how the judges are going to score that cut. It's true, yeah. Um, you know, I would love to, to ask a judge one day how they're, how they're going to be grading that kind of thing. For me, though, I really just thought Elkins was getting the better of the striking. You know, he, he had the takedown. He passed. So he was winning the grappling as well. I just thought this was a pretty clear Elkins round other than the fact that he took some blood, you know? Yeah. was giving some blood. <laughs> yeah, he kind of slowed down towards the end of the round, allowing Landwehr to close the gap a bit. But that Yeah, yeah, for sure. That takedown, you know, he gets to half guard, lands some strikes, you know, they scramble, and he gets a front headlock position and starts landing some good knees to the head. So, you know, that's effective. Thought it was a good for him. Good round. Yeah. I just I just didn't think Landwehr was able to close the gap. So, you know, for me, I feel really good here that this was an Elkins round. But having said that, round two, Landwehr definitely takes control. Well, yeah, this is where he hits him with that huge elbow and causes that huge cut on his forehead that we were talking about. And nobody's debating round two. I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, yeah, Elkins should have won round two. If you are, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I think you're really wrong. But round three... This was a closer round. Let's let's talk about this one real quick. How did you have this? Round three, I gave Landwehr 10-9. See, I did as well. So I ended up giving it 29-28 to Landwehr, uh, which I thought was the right score, whereas you know you had two judges went 30-27. I didn't think either one of those was a good score. But I can't give the fight to Elkins. Well, round three was really close, I thought. I thought the last 10 seconds is where Landwehr wins it, where he lands yes. that big right. Right at the, yeah. at, you know, at the clacker. Yeah, it was an uppercut, right? He hit, well, he hits him with an uppercut, and then, like, right before the bell, he hits him with another strong right, which yes. stumbles uh, Elkins a bit. Yeah, and for me, in a close round, that made all the difference. I thought those were the most impactful shots of the whole round. So, not only are you landing the most impactful shots of the round right at the very end of the round, and it was close overall... I don't see a big argument for Elkins in this round. So to me, you know, I don't see how you can give Elkins two rounds. The judges got this one right as far as the victor. The you know, giving round one, I don't, I don't really love that. But they got the the winner right, and that's not that's not exactly how everything went last night. Yeah, round one, I'm gonna just chalk up to they thought the cut came from a, a strike. It's possible. It's possible. You know, it's it's hard to know what what a judge is seeing because. You know they they're looking for different things probably a lot of times than we are, but as far as me sitting at home, that's what I saw, and I feel really good about Elkins having gotten that round. So at least we got one judge that saw that one correctly. Who was that? That was Dave Torelli. All right, good job, Dave. Yeah, you got that one right for sure. And lastly, let's quickly go over uh, Christoph Jocko versus Eric Anders. Yeah, this one they definitely got the winner right. The judges here, it was a clear victory for Christoph Jocko. Should have been a shutout. It should have been a shutout, yes. And for some reason, Derek Cleary and Chris Lee gave Anders round three, and they are dead wrong. I feel really strongly about this. This this was, honestly, this to me is actually the worst score of the night, even though it had no impact on the result. It was the worst score of the night. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to change that. This is the worst score of the night. Yeah, it just, it, again, it didn't impact the victory, and the judges had to know that when they're giving out this round because they know what their scores were. And they know they still gave a victory to Jocko, but Jocko was he was landing from distance way more, more impactfully, overall just better. You know, his his strikes were 
on point here. And Anders, the only thing he has offensively, he has this one decent flurry about halfway through, and the rest of it is isolated to, you know, trying to clinch against the cage, intermittent clinch strikes, but he's also taking some of those himself and just failing at takedowns. It's There's nothing there. Yeah, I mean, if you want to say this is Anders' best round, sure. But it was it better than Jocko in that round? No, not even close. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you get charity rounds here. I'm sorry. Not that it, I think a judge is doing that, but I, I don't really see what they're trying to see here. This doesn't make any sense to me. I, I didn't like yeah, that at all. Yeah. Bad round. It was. It, real quick, though, I want to point out the man who gave all three judges to Jocko, Troy Winkapa. Keep it up, Troy. So, Dan, we didn't have too many opportunities for 10-8 rounds, I thought, last night. I think everything was mostly pretty close, with the exception of one fight. Giga Chikadze getting the victory over Erwin Rivera, and he totally outclassed him this entire fight. Yeah, he put on a clinic. I thought you could have given a 10-8 in round two because it was just a master class kickboxing round for Chikadze. Yeah, I gave it a 10-8 in round two. Yeah, everything he landed was, was with purpose, impact. It was like watching somebody, you know, beat up their kid brother. I was disappointed to see that none of the judges gave a 10-8 round here when for me, this is an easy, easy 10-8 round. Yeah, definite 10-8. And Chikadze, you know, I, I love watching him because he, he just brings this really interesting kickboxing style to the cage here. Round three, though, we actually did get a 10-8 round from Winkapaw. I didn't think this was a 10-8, though. I did not think it was a 10-8 either. He lands that big knee in the beginning of the round, which uh, rocks Rivera. Yeah, he's knocked down, like, briefly, but he gets right back up and he's fired. And he, he fires. He landed a lot better in this round than he did in round two. It was, you know, it wasn't really competitive, but it was more competitive. Chikadze kind of wasn't really as active this round. No, he wasn't. Uh, you know, he was doing, he was doing a lot of showboating. He definitely felt good there. He was grooving. But this is this to me is a ten nine round. I do get a minority argument for ten eight, but I wouldn't have gone there. However, having said that, at least Winkapaw ended up with a thirty twenty six score, which is what I think you should score it for sure. You know, so credit to him for doing that. I don't really understand why Dave Terrellian. Derek Cleary couldn't have given a 10-8 in this fight. Yeah, they seem off a bit. Well, the judges at least got some things definitely right last night. There were two fights that ended in the second round, uh, and the judges nailed the first round score at the very least. Uh, Rodrigo Nascimento getting the, the rear naked choke against Dante Almeida. He definitely won round one. All the judges got that. Uh, and the other one, Miguel Baeza getting the big finish of Matt Brown in round two. He also won the first round, uh, and nobody disputed any of that. All right, Dan, enough about the individual rounds. Let's talk about the finishes themselves. What was your favorite finish last night? Courtney Casey's armbar of Mara Romero Barella. Yeah, that was awesome. I knew you'd pick that. Yeah, armbar from guard. You know, we don't see many submissions from the guard these days anyway. Super impressive. Yeah, and it's unfortunate for Barella because I actually thought she was looking pretty decent up until the point she definitely lost. Yeah, she was threatening that armbar for a while, and she finally got it extended. She did. Good for her. Good for her. What about you? For me, Kevin Holland's TKO. First off, it was this massive elbow over the top, uh, and then he just landed these brutal knees to the solar plexus that crumpled him. I really love to see that. Holland's a really fun guy to watch, and I think he's got a lot of potential He's at middleweight now, but I really think he belongs at welterweight, where he used to fight. Uh, he called out Mickey Gall. He did, he did. Although I wonder if Mickey Gall would fight at middleweight, because he's, he's a big guy, too. He's been getting bigger and, and having some gas tank troubles getting past kind of the six or seven minute mark in fights now. 
that's still a fun one. That but Kevin Holland came out. He looked great. Now the one thing I should also point out how much I loved about Kevin Holland, even the post fight was fun because he comes out there. He talks about wishing that he had Daniel Cormier cage side for wrestling pointers and oh yeah, he, he's a fun, he's a fun personality. I like him a lot. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Let's talk about lest ye be judged, the part where we grade the judges and who did the best and who did the worst. So, Dan, who was your best judge of the night? My best judge is going to go to Troy Winkapaw. He did a really good job. We saw eye to eye on a lot of things. Yeah, for me, absolutely, Troy Winkapaw. You know, I got eight out of ten rounds the same way as him. The fact that he was the hero of the pro Barboza crowd, I think that gives him big bonus points there. That was a big fight that you shouldn't have got wrong, and it's kind of strange seeing two veterans get that wrong. Not Winkapaw, though. He was the man. He even gave Jocko uh, all three rounds like he was supposed to. Good for him. Yeah, he, he was good. I gave him an A- minus on my on my grade sheet, so, you know, almost perfect. There's honorable mention, too, to Barry Luxembourg, who got his only round scored correctly. He was on another fight, though. It just didn't. He didn't have to turn anything in. He was, yeah, so he was on both Barella, uh, Casey, and Baeza Brown. So Baeza Brown went to round two, but the other one ended in round one. So he only had to grade one thing. <laughs> but he got it right. So good job, Barry. What about uh, your worst judge of the night? Oh, for me, the lowest marks went to Dave Torelli, unfortunately. It's not that he didn't get everything right, but I took issue with him giving the wrong winner, in my opinion, for Gedalia and Song. Yeah, I'm not too harsh on, on Dave, even though I think all all the veteran judges are kind of the worst. They seem to be, you know, maybe the workload's getting to them. They've judged too many fights. You're talking about the ones that work a lot of places nationally, right? Yeah. So Torelli, Lee, D'Amato, Cleary. I don't think they turned in their best work on Saturday. All right, that's fair. You know, again, for me, it was it was definitely Torelli. Although I didn't think he was awful. I gave a C minus, you know, I could give lower grades and I certainly have. But I just I had some issues with some of them. Like you said, I think probably it was the the ones that we think of as the the biggest staple judges in MMA. They were the ones who struggled the most. We had the same judges for all three of these fights in Jacksonville. Some of them were brought in from out of state. Some of them are from in state. But it was all consistently the same judges here. So we have a unique opportunity to kind of grade their body of work over the last week or so. In that sense, who was your top judge of the week? My best judge of the week is going to go to Winkapaw again. Same here. The guy just stayed consistent, and I think that's really what you want from judges is consistency. Absolutely, and and he saw everything the same way I did. I, I can't really complain uh, at all. I would love to see him get a lot more work going forward. Uh, up until this point, we've only seen him post scores, at least according to MMA decisions. We've only seen him do fights in Florida, Texas, and at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Uh, but I'm I'm blown away by him. I would love to see Troy Winkapaw flying out to Vegas. Do do some Vegas fights out there. I don't know if that's something he wants or what, but he was fantastic this weekend, and I'd love to see more of him. Yeah, we should point out that his workload was less. Less less than the four that you were talking about, yes. Uh, so I think that probably helped him staying consistent. You know, having said that, though, it, I noticed that he got more assignments on Saturday night than he had the previous two nights. So I wonder if that was, maybe it was coincidence, or maybe it was, you know, the higher-ups on the, in the commission side saying, hey, you know, you're doing a really great job. I think we're going to give you some more work. We'll give you better assignments. Uh, I think so. I'm curious that about fair. that. I, I would love to ask someone with the commission there because I, I just thought he was so great. Also, we did lose a fight on Wednesday. Who knows if he was 
scheduled to work that one. That is true, yeah. Yeah, no way to really know for sure. What about your lowest judge of this week now? We're talking about the same, kind of the other side of this exercise. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go with, you know, the four again. They, they were great uh, last Saturday for UFC 249. Yeah, oh my goodness. All all the judges, we should remind people who hadn't heard our previous episode from last week, they were really great. The judging was really great for the pay-per-view. And then it was kind of downhill from there. <laughs> but I went with Derek Cleary as my low man here. It wasn't that he was ever awful on any given night, but I took issues with his scores on every single night. So there was never a chance for him to really stand out. And he's a great judge. I don't want to sit here and you know, besmirch Derek Cleary as a judge. He's a good judge, uh, but I just didn't think he was at his greatest in Jacksonville over these three events. Dishonorable mention also goes to Sal Amato, who I thought it was the best judge of the pay-per-view, but it's been a total mixed bag overall. Uh, I thought he was pretty bad on Wednesday in particular. And then last night, he was a bit of both. You know, I, there were some fights where he really nailed the score, and there were some fights where I'm just scratching my head and you know, it was it was kind of the opposite of Winkapaw. We're talking about inc- inconsistency as opposed to consistency, right? Uh, and that's what really bothered me the most from Sal, who again, world class judge, probably not his greatest the last two nights. I just want to point out that these judges don't deserve the amount of backlash they're getting right now. Oh, absolutely, yeah, especially preach, from Ben Rothwell. Calling you know, judging has been extra disgusting lately. Is what he called it. I mean, these are super close fights. Yeah, I don't know how he can say that when, when you know, we're talking about a fight where he could have either he could certainly have lost that fight, and I don't even think it would have been a robbery at all because you know in Rothwell's case, round three was hyper close. Yeah, there, there wasn't a single robbery from any of these guys. No, no, no. They, you know, credit to the judges, they they do fine work. We sit here and criticize it from you know from our glass houses, but at the same time, we're not sitting here saying that we're definitely better than them. We just we want to hold people accountable. Yeah, we want we want to improve this sport. It comes from a place of love for this sport, not Absolutely. not something that we just want to bash these guys. No, and and I think you know another side of that is educating fans themselves too, because not everybody is as familiar with the scoring criteria as you and I, or especially the actual licensed judges themselves. And that's another episode of the Couchside Judges in the Books. We've got no live fights coming this weekend, but Scott and I will be back at the end of the week with a special surprise, one which we haven't featured on this show before. We'll also save room for past judgment, which we haven't had the chance to do the last few episodes. Make sure to subscribe, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Dan Urban MMA. Find me on Twitter also at Scott underscore Fontana. Thanks for stopping by, kitties. Until next time, stay healthy and safe. See ya.